Yeah, it's different. It's fresh. Right. Here's a question for you. Mm-hmm. Um, if it meant taking $5 off of your cell phone bill every month, would you allow your lock screen to display ads? Absolutely. Would you? Because this is a service that may come to America. I would. I love that idea. Okay, so here's 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 what I like. I love the idea of people getting either reimbursed or paid slightly for having to endure advertising. Mm-hmm. Um, ideally, the shittier the advertisement, the more you get paid. But... <laughs> We all know that's something like really gross and sexist and poorly written. It's like the old GoDaddy commercials. You're like, I want like a lot of money. I want fifteen dollars knocked off (laughs) and a free domain name. Like, give me something for that. Okay, so this and the reason why I don't have specifics for this is because I like read it right before I was leaving work, but it was interesting to me. It's a um, it's a startup, uh, I believe, from somewhere that is in America. I'm going to be as general as possible because I really don't remember the specifics. However, they are about to uh, partner with, um, I believe, uh, Boost Mobile, um, one of the uh, kind of... Of course they'll go to Boost Mobile, One of the the shitty carriers, right, that that goes off of Sprint's signal. That's the same network. Yeah, Sprint's network, right? Yeah. Um, So basically, you will get $5 off your bill every month. Mm -hmm. We will display ads on your lock screen. Constantly. Yes, because how many times a day do you turn your phone off and on oh, and get the fucking lock screen? Lots of impressions. There. That's going to get a lot of people to not lock their phones, I think. But um, my question for that is, and this is kind of one of those morality plays, you, who uses Boost Mobile? Poor people? Oh, yes, poor people. Probably? No, definitely. Um, I would say... You typically don't see Boost Mobile in the affluent suburbs. So you get you got a bunch, you have less affluent people using Boost Mobile, right? Who have the chance to get a small discount on their bill mm-hmm. to have ads displayed to them hundreds of times a day, right? That they're checking their fucking phone, um, right? Is it is does that seem as as a person who pays attention to advertising culture and worries about the image that advertising has in the eyes of the populace, Mm -hmm. it concerns me that that really shitty type of advertising, because I think it is, to display ads on your lock screen, I think that's kind of shitty. To display shitty ads to people that don't necessarily have the most... um, like disposable income. Does that seem predatory? Well, mm, I could see how you would say it seems predatory, but as a person who likes, um, I I would rather sell like one of something to make Mm -hmm. my paycheck than a million of something and that usually if you're selling one of something it's 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 costly it's high cost so i think a lot of marketers feel that way a lot of business people feel that way so they're gonna actually probably prefer if they had a choice which it sounds like at first at least they may not but they probably prefer to target people with expendable income and so 
you know, I could see how it would be predatory a little bit, but, you know, I, I, would, I wouldn't say it's predatory because they have less money because, to me, a lot of advertisers are not interested in that. Mm-hmm. I mean, McDonald's, all day. You know, they're probably even peppering these people's phones all, like crazy. All day ads, all day breakfast, man. Yeah, McPick 2, all over your phone, mm-hmm. all day. And I think it makes sense. But to me, predatory is a connotation of like you're you're really picking on one group of people and if all was equal from a standpoint of uh you know if all the carriers were ready to do this i think you would see it uh, you wouldn't just see it like you know with uh, uh the poor people you know in the inner city it would be it would be everywhere because even the richest of people are cheapskates and they want to save money i don't know if i would though you would not. No, I pay my own cell phone bill now, mm-hmm. so it's not like I'm just either saving my dad or my company money. This, right. this is me, one hundred percent. Five dollars would not is not worth the like this this that savings is not worth having to endure ads. Worth having to endure ads. So if it's a display ad, mm-hmm. what? What, oh shit! You know what they could do? What endurance is there now? Hold on, I just got an me... idea. I just got an idea. Okay. When you do that thing where you accidentally lock yourself out of your phone and you yeah. have to wait like a minute or thirty seconds, all ads. <laughs> <laughs> that thirty seconds, or like if you do it, if you do it multiple times and it's like you got to wait five minutes, just five minutes of ads, video yeah. ads playing. How yeah. how amazing would that be? I think that's the future, man. <laughs> that is the future, probably. I would say. Um... Well, I guess I'm just curious now what what this advertising is like. I'm picturing just really shitty display ads. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm displaying. And to me, it's or, like ugh. you're saying endure. Like I don't think it's gonna bother me if if that's what's on my phone. I don't think I'm gonna care. I really don't. So, um, but if it's like try to unlock your phone, have to watch a 15 second video. Yeah. Yeah. No, I will. I will go ahead and pay the five dollars gladly to not have to do that. So. And that's almost holding your phone hostage at that point. Yeah. Yeah, it is. I don't see that flying, at no. least not in the next, you know, foreseeable future uh, of time. But, um, no, I like. I kind of like that idea. I, th- I, I just think it would be great. Imagine if every time you got on Facebook and you clicked an ad, you had an account where you got a little cut. Mm-hmm. You know, just a little one. Well, I mean, that, that's, that's just the a, weird just utopia. Just a little cut. That's a weird utopia of free services that people always pray for, that we will actually, as an audience to advertising, be paid, mm-hmm. right? That our, that our services, of, that our eyeballs, the work that our eyeballs put into looking into ads, we will get compensated for that, besides the obvious free service, right? Right. <sighs> but that's an interesting concept. Yeah. Well, I'm going to get right into it then. That was that was a preamble. Jump in. That was the topical topic. Going in. Yeah. Jump that we, in. That we've been talking about for weeks to to try to kick off a podcast. I'm completely ruining the natural segue uh, by mentioning it, but we're gonna assume that this is a test once again. May go live, may not. We'll see how this goes because this Oh, this is going live. Oh, this is Ad Like Objects, the advertising podcast where advertising friends get together, hang out. And talk about advertising for it. For, oh God, I fucked it up. This this Beechwood aged Budweiser beer has already gone into my head, man. Hates ya. 
it hits mm. you. I think you were trying to finish that mm. with talk about advertising things. Yeah, well, you read you read the pitch, so yeah, good lord, man, this so. thing was aged thirty days, and I'm already thirty sheets of the wind, my friend. I have not drank too much where I forgot my name, so I just want to introduce myself. Uh, I'm Jared Barlow, and I am Francis Labelle, and we have finally started the show. Yes, and if you know anything about uh, beer. Uh, this is the podcast for you because today we are talking about the recent rebranding or updated to brand of Budweiser beer of, of the king, the king of beers. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean it's one of those those uh, old venerable brands in America, nay the world, um, and it's recently gone. Through a bout of rebranding, um, really, it seems like their mo is to is to simplify uh, their imagery, um, their their sort of graphical conventions, um, and being that it is such such an old such an old brand, such a traditional American brand, right? Mm-hmm. Um, there's there's a lot of feelings. There's a lot of feelings around it, man. Um, and I guess the the easiest thing to do, because we have cans in front of us, is to just like give. Uh... Yeah, there you go, man. I didn't even put that in later. That was live. <laughs> um, live sound effects. Exactly. Just like, what? How? What? What are your feelings on it? Um, I feel like you're you've got family from St. Louis. Well, I do too, but yeah. I feel like you're more connected to it than I am. So I feel like you might have some more visceral, 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 visceral verbal comments on it. Yeah, I think uh, as as many people our age, I have been more tending to drink uh, micro brews mm-hmm. the last what however many years, and you know you do forget about Budweiser unless you say to the waiter or waitress, "Hey, what's on special?" And they typically say, "You can Budweiser. get a gallon of Budweiser <laughs> for a nickel, <laughs> and we'll throw in some free mozzarella sticks. Yeah. Or you can get this nice hoppy IPA, mm. and it's only eight fifty. Exactly. Where, where's a better place to spend your money, right? So, uh, you know, are you gonna get I've the spent... hype, the hoppy IPA or some Clydesdale? So I, you know, I know. I've spent eight fifty. Yeah. yeah, but growing up, Budweiser was." Uh, just everywhere. I mean, it was synonymous with obviously St. Louis and the United States, I would say. Um, but even I grew up in a small town uh, where there was a lot of beer drank uh, at every function. Mm-hmm. School functions, church functions, drinking functions. <laughs> um, Budweiser was one of those things. So uh, you know, I think Budweiser and I think about, I do think about their branding I think about their colors and, um, you know, I, I take it for granted. Yeah. Speaking of colors, how important, if you, if you look at this, uh, this can here in the, in the Budweiser word mark, uh, they, they, it's blue. Yep. That was a classic in the last rebrand they did in the early 2000s, um, in the early 2000s or 2011, I might be getting my dates mixed up, but they actually took the blue out once they were bought out by 
um, InBev, right? Mm-hmm. Um, they took the blue out, and many in American saw that as oh, they're they're trying they got bought by an international company, and they're trying <laughs> to take the American away from Budweiser, right? Of course, because um, we own the color blue. Yeah, as as a nation, the, yeah. nobody has that. Nobody you know, not, uses that anywhere you know, else. So France and, and the UK try, but they just can't hack it. Yeah, like do. <laughs> um, I I really. L- I like it. Um, Mm -hmm. I actually somehow think that in modernizing their um, sort of their their brand standards here, it actually looks more old timey to me. Like Mm -hmm. it looks more classic now. Um, Like there, if if you look online and and if this gets put anywhere, um, I'll make sure to put some some links in the link dump in terms of JPEGs and stuff of what this looks like or links to articles. Um, but their their like crest, their AB crest is super prominent, mm-hmm. and that like speaks to heritage, right? And this fucking Budweiser like wordmark wraps. We're looking at a can, but it's pretty much the same for bottles. It just wraps all around. So it's like if I'm looking at this from far away, you get that crest front and center mm-hmm. um and then the budweiser just like just takes up the rest of the can and you only get hints of it um which makes me want to play with the can i don't know if that actually really does anything for them <laughs> um but i only need that hint to know what i'm looking at and then the rest all of their like flavor text is super subtle so what i get when i look at it up front is crest budweiser right and it really streamlines it for me um, and you get these hints of reds. The bow tie, you are mentioning this earlier, um, the bow tie has been uh, just, has been put in the back of the class. Um, <laughs> I guess they think it's a troublemaker, and they just put it really, like, small on the side of the can in this case. Um, but I, I, I really like it. Um, I, I don't know. I've recently actually given Budweiser a shot, and I don't hate it. I've actually consumed it. Uh, on my own volition. Oh wow! Prior to this, so I don't want to say this makes me more likely to buy it. Okay, um, but it makes me feel more friendly towards it. And that could be because I've already <laughs> had two. Today, yeah, that but helps. Yeah, for sure. Well, I think it's interesting. You know, when we've read up about this rebranding effort, mm-hmm. it was. It seems like the goals of it were. Uh, at least on, as of what Budweiser is telling us, were conflicting a little bit. You know, they wanted to make it a more modern brand, mm-hmm. bring it to uh, a, a new era, uh, if you will. But at the same time, they're trying to get back to their roots of the branding. Yeah. Like you had mentioned, the crest is really prominent. Yeah, they and, really put and, heritage first in this case. You know, if you're not looking at, at the can or if you haven't seen it, it's extremely detailed, I mean, the the crest itself has a lot of really little details that, you know, you really don't see right away. And Mm -hmm. typically for me, when I see a crest, especially one like this, that's just so, that has so much detail in it, you know, it immediately makes me feel like that, that mark that I'm looking at Mm -hmm. has history, right? And so they're trying to honor this history and kind of bring it back a little bit. Uh, but also make it modern at the same time, and I, I think I do think they did a pretty good job. I mean, it sounds like you might like it a little bit more than me. I, I think it's a little busy, at least in the can. I think this is what I let me go. Let me go grab one of the bottles. I swear I won't start drinking it yet. But um, what I think is interesting, and I think you see it in 
I'm going to raise my voice a little bit here. Um, I think you see it um, with other, not other, but with more craft brews. Um, they pick and choose where, here's a bottle, take a look at this bottle. Um, yeah. Compared to the can, you get a little bit more detail on the, ca- on the bottle. <clears throat> yeah, you really um, do. They pick and choose where they have their detail, right? Mm-hmm. Um, where That's as true. I, as I was talking about before, if you hold this can out, they've really made this like King of Beers slogan and this, uh, I don't even know what you would call this, brewed by our original process from the choicest, choicest, which I didn't know was a word. Is it um, choice dist? No, it's choice s tops. Choice rice and best barley malt, right? Um, that's all in like aluminum silver, um, and it really recedes in the background, so you don't really s- see it from far away. It doesn't yeah. pop out. It's just Budweiser in that crest for me, and the, and the red that frames it. And they really just pick and choose where they have that detail. So this crest, as you were saying, is super detailed, but that's broken up by just having a really simple word mark, mm-hmm. um, which. You know, you have that heritage element, and then for me, what I would just call the straight branding, which is yeah. simple and flat, um, but still classic Budweiser. I mean, I gotta say, I, I like it. I'm looking at the bottle. Now. I love the bottle. I like the bottle a million times more than this. You can. can have it. And the can that we're looking at is a 16 ounce can, I believe, uh, unless these 12 ounce cans are getting a lot bigger. <laughs> Um, but the bottle label, I like a lot more. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think, well, basically they take in the same design that's on the can, but you can see the entire thing in one mm-hmm. little piece. And I think to me that, uh, just seeing it all in one piece, it's less overwhelming. Yeah. And the can just seems like so much is going on. I don't know what to look at. And because of that, it just feels a little bit. I don't know, a little bit hazardous to me from a standpoint of just so there's just so much clutter. It just kind of bothers me. I'm a minimalist person, but um, the bottle makes a lot of sense. Now, what I don't like on the bottle is the cap. So oh, the, they kept, the straight up crown. Yeah, they kept the crown on the cap, and I I wish they would have like you know just taken a look at maybe I would have taken like the crest element. Yeah, and put it on here. Yeah, I don't because I just the crown. In, especially in the treatment they have on the cap, to mm-hmm. me, seems a little... Well, that's the other thing that we've noticed, too, is because cheap. this has been a softer rollout in the past couple months, I think they're supposed to finish it in February, is we're slightly confused as to <laughs> what what the new brand is and what the older branding elements are. So, like, for the, the couple um, case studies that we saw... Um, the bow tie and the Budweiser within the bow tie were supposed to be simplified. Right. Um, that's not the case on either of these. Yeah. Um, and the the packaging um, that the at least the six pack that I bought mm-hmm. um, re- uh, reflects that older version of of the Buzz Budweiser and the bow tie. Um, so I don't know if this crown on top is going to be the the final bottle cap yeah. design, right? Um, so. I don't know. They could be just using up old, th- uh, old bottle caps. Yeah, I think know, I think they inventory. I think they've done a really good job of, of mixing. Those hints of, of heritage, and like old timiness, with, 
modern graphical conventions, mm-hmm. right? They're just making things a little bit simpler, simpler, cleaner. Yeah. Um, they did a really good job in that. Well, and it's interesting that, so Budweiser claimed that this rebranding had nothing to do uh, with the emergence and continued emergence of and growth of microbrews. And craft brews. And, and craft brews and, um, and quite frankly, the loss of market share uh, by the larger players. Mm-hmm. Um I have a hard time believing them when they say that. When they say that, I think they're full of it. You know, I think I, I you see it in their commercials, and they've basically yeah. taken that here. Well, that's you know, mission, Beachwood right? aging produces a taste, a smoothness, and a drinkability, which is one of my favorite words uh, that I've ever heard them yeah. spout I out. Mean, uh, you will find no other beer at any price. So to me, it, it's to me that that's a direct. Uh, that line is directly not attacking microbrews or craft brews, but it's mm-hmm. it's defending itself almost. Yes, uh, against what is now hip. In, yeah, in the microbrew. Um, yeah, industry. and about that, right? Their their slogan or their their kind of like brand mission um, that they're hoping to exemplify in their new um, their new packaging and branding is is uh, brewed the hard way, I believe, <clears throat> right? Um, yes, and that course. in and of itself is they're really trying to bring the craft back into this yeah. macro brew, right? Yep. Um, I mean, they even mention on the can here, it says, by any other brewer, uh, so no brand, no brand produced by any other brewer which cost so much to brew and mm-hmm. age. It's like, and what? Yeah, you're I mean, telling us it costs a lot to make your beer. They, it's not enough to tell us that you're working hard. <laughs> it's not enough to tell us you're working hard. It's like, hey, listen, guys, this shit the, ain't cheap. Here's the funny thing about that is, as a, as a larger brewer, the whole purpose of that is to make your beer cheaper to make. <laughs> so don't, don't tell me that it costs you more money to make it, because we know it doesn't. You can just make more of it. Um, <laughs> Could you make it cheaper? But, Here's, Potentially, I get it. You know, I see what you're saying. Here's but. the thing. In terms of that, of of they're claiming that it's not an answer to the way craft, uh, you know, craft beers uh, brand themselves, which I have some things to say about that. But they're, they say that their mission, and this is from some of the articles that we were reading, mm-hmm. that their mission is to exemplify in how they present themselves that they are beer brewed the hard way, right? Which might... <clears throat> problem with that is <laughs> as you've been reading one of the biggest um like graphical things on here the only thing to me that says that this is beer brewed the hard way is this large like explainer body copy that is part it's part of the fucking crest it's not even buried it, oh yeah down here under king of beers it is part of the a and b crest like they yeah. and i listen as a, i'm a copywriter i love I was going to say, you should, you should be eating this shit up yeah, right now. I'm I mean, they've got an entire paragraph this, on, a, on their brand. Well, to me, this, may, the, this shows how important they think it is that people know how their beer is made. And I don't have – I completely agree. I think people need to understand that it isn't Clydesdale piss. It is mm. uh, Beechwood-aged, uh, mm-hmm. you know, aged for 30 days beer, right? And that's the other thing for them um, is <laughs> – uh, their whole thing about brewed the hard way is just, just like, yeah, man, we age our beer longer than anybody else. And it's like, mm. all right, 30 days. <laughs> Sweet. And they're, they're super proud of that. And I, I did the tour and I know, I know it's important for, for flavor and stuff, mm-hmm. but, uh, does that, 
it does aging it longer make it brewed harder you know yeah like does that make it more yeah. difficult to let sit there for a little while longer sounds pretty pretty difficult i don't know i mean are, you know i want to know how many beaches are they going to to get all this wood <laughs> uh, it must be tough that is it that is a must be tough deal. there's there's some fucking some artisan out there who's super pissed because he he went to the beach to get he's, some, he was he's he some was a, reclaimed wood some driftwood yeah. and fucking budweiser, budweiser already swept the beach that shit right up <laughs> I'm, I'm imagining i'm imagining um and I know I shouldn't. I'm just imagining that they use Clydesdales for everything. So they're sweeping the beach. And they just <laughs> I got, just imagine they these. got all these Clydesdales, and the fucking uh, <laughs> the Dalmatian is like picking up pieces of wood and like throwing it into a cart <laughs> as these Clydesdales trot down the beach. Um, yeah. So I'm I'm okay with them putting a huge chunk of body copy on the front that's that says like how we brew our beer and how that separates us. I think that's important. Um, but could it have been done? And you're you're a copywriter. Mm-hmm. You know, this is what you do. Could it have been done in less than, you know, what I am looking at? Maybe well, here's three or four sentences. Well, here's I my mean, thing, right? Is and this is why three. I do believe them that I believe that their message is trying to um, put them on par with craft breweries. Mm-hmm. I don't think that they're necessarily taking cues design-wise from them. I think that they're just, they're right, following. Right. Because what, from what I see of, like, of craft beer that, you know, is in the liquor stores that I go to. Mm-hmm. And they, at this point, might be owned by larger companies because that happened last Most year. Most likely before, these days, right? Yeah. Is they, I mean, they have bold graphics. Mm-hmm. Um, really cool art, and it's all very modern. But that's because a lot of them are pretty modern brands at this point are rising and like right. they're not nearly as old as Budweiser is well um, to me they emphasize their name yeah for sure they gotta get their name out there yeah um, and I think uh, well I, so they emphasize the name of the specific type of beer mm-hmm. more than they do their actual brand mm-hmm. in many cases I think uh, from what I've seen and while Budweiser doesn't necessarily have I mean they're not necessarily putting out like a double wide IPA or whatever it yeah. is, you know, when you see Budweiser versus like a Bud Light versus a mm-hmm. Bud Lime or whatever, you know, everything has a very consistent brand focus of, uh, this, that, you know, it's all part of this larger organization. Mm-hmm. And I think that is very, that is a, a big difference between them and a microbrew. Yeah. I, f- I, f- I don't get that feeling from a lot of microbrews. Um, even the ones who are who are really successful, and I don't know what the magic formula is from a branding perspective in the in the this industry, but um, I think that to me is the biggest difference. Well, yeah, and I th- I think uh, in a lot of cases um, for craft or microbrewers, their whole thing is we need to show that we have personality, right? Right. And a lot of it is just, I mean, that's that's kind of what. A brand is supposed to do is just define a personality. Yep. They want to, they want to look like it's a guy in his basement. And Budweiser, Budweiser's personality really is classic, right? That's pretty much what it is. It's yeah. it's it's a more simplified version of the brand that you know mm-hmm. and love. But now they are really emphasizing how we make our beer, which that's the craft portion to me. Now, if I were a craft brand, this flavor copy would be on the back of the label. Right. Right? And there there would be a nice line of copy accompanied by 
uh, an explainer on what glass you should use to drink your beer and how you should pour your beer into that glass mm-hmm. if you're doing it from a bottle. Which, by the way, would be a nice touch to me on a Budweiser. I don't think they need it. To me, I actually kind of like that. that it's, it's, yeah, our beer is good, but we're... You know how to drink it. It's fucking beer. You We're do not whatever you want. With it, right? <laughs> you don't see you don't see the pouring instructions with every craft brew. But the times no, that I do get no. it, I'm just like I'm either I'm either the first couple times I was like, mm-hmm. oh that's really interesting that they would do that, right. and then the next couple times I'm like, oh, okay, come on guys. Okay, yes. I don't have a brandy snicker. I get it. Well, I can't yeah, drink. I get one it in that context. It can come off really snobby in that context, but you know all this copy that I'm seeing on the Budweiser label. I could, you know, honestly, that could just be taken away. You focus even more than they already did on the crest itself. Mm-hmm. And you could have one or two lines on the back that say, drink our beer in this type of glass, uh, in this type of situation, and blah, blah, blah. And all it would take, honestly, that would, that would get the same point across to me, that they care about not just how they create their beer, but they care about it enough that they want you to drink in a specific way too, which to me with Budweiser might actually might actually uh, resonate a little bit better mm-hmm. for me than that snobby beer. Well, down to the me, street. it's actually you, you kind of have a point there because Budweiser is such a classic brand. I feel like they they can stand to get away with like this is the perfect way to drink this beer, and he, I guess they do have. Oh, excuse me. <clears throat> they do have elements of that with like their. Um, you see it at some bars. They're like specific brew or their specific tap station right. that says like what temperature it's at and like it's supposed to kind of like their their Guinness type pouring method, but it's all automatic. But yep. um, that'll brew, you know, or it'll pour you that perfect glass of, of crisp, refreshing Budweiser. Right. Um, well, a great example of that in action with another brand is Stella Artois. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. With the, with the glass, the, Yeah, the right? chalice and the knife. And, and the, yep, the chalice and then you have the Which, knife. It's all it is is some, it's just, it's a it's an icon. That's that's one piece. I mean, when you see that chalice with the gold rim, you know what that's for. Mm-hmm. But what it truly conveys is our product is so good, it needs to be placed in something equally as beautiful, yeah. equally as good. Mm-hmm. And so I could see, maybe not that extreme, but I could see that working for Budweiser in some way. Yeah, in, in some way. Using the Stella example, um, it almost makes me afraid to, to buy a Stella. I don't know if that's what they want, but every time I've ever ordered a Stella, even when it's been like on special, mm-hmm. people always look at me like, mm, fancy, and I'm like, no, I'm only going to have one, right? <laughs> And it, because they they put so much pomp and circumstance on it True. that you know it kind of it gets that pretension, but they've somehow they're they're a, they're a storied brand, um, yeah, absolutely. or at least that's they've cultivated themselves as such. Mm-hmm. I don't know actually what their history is, um, but they're one of those older brands that it that regality works um, and that that ritual works. And the same with Guinness, um, yeah. that ritual works. Some craft beers, it either works or it doesn't. I'm either pissed off that you're telling me that I need to drink it out of this glass, or, you know, I'm like, okay, that's interesting. And a lot of that comes down to the personality with which they present that information. Yeah. Budweiser, to me, it, it it would be funny if they really wanted to do this, if they really wanted to get, like, ironic and pissy. Like, if you saw on the back of this can, 
like, please enjoy in, like, any glass. Like, every can has a different glass on the back (laughs) and different pouring instructions. Like, they have, like, four different variations. Yep. Um, make you want to collect the can, maybe? I don't know. I don't know. Um, I see that as more of a Bud Light move versus yeah. a Budweiser. Well, because, you know, we're up for whatever. Yeah, um, of course. Up for whatever. Pour yeah. it in any glass. I mean, I think Bud Light's like the ultimate approachable brand, you know, the mm-hmm. ultimate approachable beer, the every man's beer, uh, you know, and, you know, I think Budweiser toes that line a little bit, but they, tr- at least in my opinion, over the years, they've tried to present themselves as a little bit more sophisticated. Well, they are the king of beers. They're the king of beers. They've been. They have more his. You know, the beer itself and the recipe has more history, mm-hmm. and they kind of, to me, uh, tailor themselves to maybe an older audience because of that. Mm-hmm. That wants to look more sophisticated uh, instead of a. 21-year-old in college who's looking to just pound back a couple Bud Lights, Mm -hmm. you know, at a tailgate. Uh, You don't typically see them pounding back straight Budweiser, you know, looking for the light beer, so. No, well, I mean, it's it's too rich in flavor uh, to to really pound back. Yeah, well, you could choke on that Beechwood if you're not careful. (laughs) You might find it's just a junk. So let's talk about, okay, let's, let's talk a little bit more about this stamp if you will i'm gonna call it a stamp you're, you're gonna call it a stamp i'm gonna call it a crest but we can you, call it a crest a no, crest works no well, it, it does I look like wanna, i just want to respect yeah, their their design choices yeah that's fine it's a crest so <laughs> so so what we were researching uh was that they're really making a move budweiser is to uh really make their branding cons- consistent all over the world yes right? and what you'll see on this crest uh, if you look at it closely no i am is uh it's listed australia europe asia africa and then at the bottom and to me what uh, what's highlighting it is america yeah um so i have a couple questions sure um number one if i went to pick up budweiser in africa is america still located and highlighted as such <laughs> Or is Africa highlighted? Mm-hmm. Uh, that would be interesting. Um, and number two, what are your thoughts on this idea of we're going to try to make our branding consistent uh, throughout the entire world? And just a little background, they apparently, and I was just reading this, mm-hmm. previous this rebranding, they were about 80% consistent, whatever that means in the world. So mm-hmm. there was some some change depending on where where you bought the beer whether it be in China or you know uh Missouri uh mm-hmm. you know whatever it may be. Right here in St. Louis, Missouri. Um so my my first remark on on your crest question um on your question uh if you will. Nice. Um, Good work. Yeah, thanks, man. <laughs> That's podcast it's, gold. Oh, God, it's the end of my day. Uh, <laughs> is I don't know, I don't know that they are like Coke, you know? Um, like Coke, their whole thing, and the reason why Coke tastes different everywhere that you go is because they have um, local, I'm sure factory's not the right word, but brewery's not the right word either. Manufacturing. Manufacturing plant. Uh, where they conjure distribution sweet Coca Cola, 
with local water. So every Coke tastes different because the water is different. Or at least that's what they like to say. Yeah. So it makes sense. Like that kind of gives them the 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 ability as an American brand to say that they are also in some ways a an Asian brand, an African brand, a European brand because they. You know they they make their their coke in those areas. Mm-hmm. I know Budweiser has multiple breweries across the U.S. I don't know if they have any elsewhere in the world. So mm. to me, even though that they are owned by an international company right. and have a presence in perhaps these on these these continents, right. um, I would still. If I were them, if, and they really wanted to stick to their guns on their brand, I would make sure America was the pinnacle because this is an American beer. Yeah. Right? Um, even if they did brew them in those nations or those um, those continents, I wouldn't think that it would serve their brand to be like to put Africa at the point of the star or Europe at the point of the star. Um, I'm calling it a star. It's more like a diamond. Um, Depends how you look at it. But anyway, I wouldn't. It, I don't think it would serve them to put emphasis on them because I think they're making a move to to bring the America back into Budweiser. You know. Um, yeah. No, I think that makes sense. As, you know, I, everything though that I'm constantly told and taught uh, by industry publications mm-hmm. is that when you're doing international marketing no matter what kind of marketing it is you want to try and mesh with that culture well yeah for sure and not and i know most of that's probably directed towards messaging because we have we see so many brands screw up when they go mm-hmm. overseas they don't know what they're talking about uh but i wonder is it that budweiser is such a large brand that it transcends the differences in culture well here's Here's what I would like to say on that, um, at least as a writer. Um, there is a huge difference between appealing to and pandering to. Um, appealing to is something far deeper. Like you, you find the commonalities between the Budweiser drinker in America and... Europe or Africa or Asia, you find those similarities. Why these people drink Budweiser? Um, what what is it about Budweiser that appeals to these people? And maybe they might be different things, um, but ultimately it can't be too different because it's the same beer anywhere you go. Um, and you find that, and you speak to that, as opposed to pandering, which I would arguably arguably say is we're selling this beer in. In Australia or Europe, mm-hmm. let's put Australia or Europe on the point of diamond <laughs> to emphasize it, and yeah. then you know um, I start mean, selling it out of the pouch of a kangaroo. Well, and you're gonna piss, you're gonna piss me off. I think this is all Americana, and then I'm talking to my buddy uh, in mm-hmm. Australia, who's my close Australian friend, mm-hmm. and she he is like, hey. Look at my Budweiser. Yeah. I mean, it's got Australia on it. Well, I'm like, me, well, what the heck, Budweiser? I mean, come on, you got to stand for something here. And I think this kind of gets back to, to the question you asked of um, unifying the brand, making sure it's 100% consistent. And th- that transcends to me um, graphic design, art direction, um, brand identity, packaging. That gets to that, that question, that core identity of, is this an American beer? Mm-hmm. And if it is, 
fuck yeah, we better be at the point of that diamond. You know what I'm saying? Right. Um, and that said, um, I think making sure it's consistent is, is super is it's more important now than I think it was in the past mm-hmm. because of how connected the world is now. Um, you aren't gonna. I don't. I'm not entirely sure I can articulate why that's important. But I, I feel like the just the world seems so much smaller that it can weaken you to have five different iterations of yourself, right? Yeah, I could see that. Uh, and it just it just makes you seem fractured because, you know, we have kids studying abroad. Like, that's more common now, or at least at the school we went to. That was super common. So the, more people than ever are being exposed to different cultures. Mm-hmm. Um, well, and I think especially to me in the United States, um, this national pride mm-hmm. seems to be uh, less uh, – ha- or seems to be not as strong as it used to be. Mm-hmm. Um, with the younger generation, I think I, I you know, I, most people take that know. as most people take that as a negative thing. Like, oh, we were not proud to be I American. Think it's less, yeah, I think I, it's, I think it's more we feel we feel a little bit more at uh, of a family or of a connection with somebody outside the United States than yeah, our previous generations. I, maybe. Yeah, maybe. I think it's it's it's. I mean, it's just that now we're now we're getting into. National identities as opposed to brand identities. But I guess America's kind of a brand if we really want to. That'd actually be a good topic for for a podcast. Is write that down. American, I'm going to write down right now. The American, um, American brand. brand. Yeah, the American brand identity. Um, we'll have to bring in uh, somebody over the phone or something can who we, like, can give us senator? an outside perspective. <laughs> um, what's George Bush doing nowadays? Um, no, I think... He's on the ranch. I think it's just it's less uh, the 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 idea of of what it is to be an American is a little less um, militant and a little less harsh now with the, with younger. I think people were more connected on the world stage, um, and I think the idea that we are a member of the international community as opposed to the the foundation of the international community. Right. Um, I think that idea is a little bit more um, ingrained now. Well, and and I think some people would argue at that point, which it sounds like you and I are kind of on the same page there, but I think some people would argue that point because they don't want to believe that we have, I guess, uh, a different mindset towards our country, or maybe we're not quite, quite as... Uh, strong about our feelings uh, of pride for our country than our previous generations. Mm -hmm. But, you know, proof to me that that is the reality is that, you know, if if a brand, especially a Budweiser size brand came out and said, uh, basically, screw all the other countries, we're an American brand, we care about America only, blah, 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 I think they would face some backlash. Now, if they come out, and honestly, that's to me what they're doing the opposite here on on their can, even though America is at the forefront, they have what's essentially every meaningful continent listed here, uh, 
and I cannot believe that you <laughs> would forget Antarctica. I said meaningful. Uh, in America, what are you talking about? There's, America there's could stand for South oil. America. It could stand for North America. It could stand for I, South America. You know, they're trying to condense. So, so anyway, to me, they realize that, and so what they're showing you by putting Europe, Asia, Africa, Australia on their can and on their crest is that they recognize that there is a larger community. Yeah, we're that worldwide, we're all, but yeah. we're, we're an American brand. Yeah. Um, and it, the more I, I think about this, uh, the more, too, I'm beginning to think about how this sort of branding would be perceived outside of America. I think we've... we've Back, you know, let's, let's go back 15 years ago, and if I were to brand an American company, if I didn't have a lot of savvy... It would be fucking stars and stripes forever. There'd be oh, flags. There'd be there'd be eagles. Blah blah blah. Yep. And as we asserted ourselves as a nation on the world stage, mm-hmm. uh, please correct me if I'm wrong. Um, uh, th- uh, other countries did not like us that much, and that sort of branding because it's so it's so hyper specific, right? For an American brand to brand themselves as an American brand right. would not be as accepted internationally right because it's too specific to one country it wouldn't speak to other countries i think i would pretty well now, agree with that as years have progressed um under the grace of the obama administration um once again correct me if i'm wrong uh, <laughs> oh, i won't dive into the politics <laughs> um that's my other podcast it's generally seen that america is uh, seen a little bit more favorably in general across the world which would make me believe that American branding, as long as it's not too specific, would be more widely widely accepted. So it's okay to say now that this is an American beer and sell it as an American beer in the UK or France or Poland. I'm making my way across the globe. Morocco. Germany. Zambia. Sure, Germany. Well, I mean, you know, I'm just asking because I, Germany knows they knows their beer. It's true. Um, it's it's a little bit more accepted to say that because America is not a four letter word anymore. Um, also, I mean, this is non specifically branded America, right? I mean, it's just got red, white, and blue. Um, yeah, but you know, the blue is dark. Uh, I mean, you can really barely see it, but it's a little bit nicer than just doing straight black, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, the blue is dark. The white is an off-white silver. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I would say the red's probably uh, very similar, probably to a, an American flag. But um, it's it's one of those kind of faux Americana color schemes, mm-hmm. uh, which I think are a little bit more modern uh, and uh, don't hit you over the head with it quite as bad. Yeah. Um, you know, so maybe that is accepted more. I wouldn't know. I, I really don't know. I mean, I think we'd need to bring in somebody who uh, is from another country and uh, is maybe a, an unbiased opinion here. Has never even seen a Clydesdale. Doesn't yeah. know. Doesn't know the the the, <clears throat> the dark, gritty flavor of fine beech wood. Well, I'd be curious to see someone from a country that is well known for their beer mm-hmm. um and that's why i brought up germany earlier you know uh what do they think of this brand does it 
signify to them that's going to be a quality beer and that mm-hmm. they want to buy it. Uh, because I do think the United States, while it is uh, more interested than it used to be in beer in general and the variety of beer and the way it's made and everything else, we're still probably less passionate, I would say, than a lot of other countries about... Uh, you, you son of a bitch. About Those the about the process, about the process of making beer, uh, you know we like to party hard, and uh, that usually in the past has meant PBR and Natty yeah. Light. So you know, what I think it. You know what I think it is now, and uh, I think Budweiser, they're really focusing on process. I think craft breweries. It's enough to say that I'm a craft brewery. We know that there is a that there is a lengthy process involved. You're probably making that beer with your own goddamn hands, which translates into flavor. And I think that's what it all comes at, because you're consuming it. Ultimately, what you care about is the flavor of the thing, right? Um, and I think what it gets down to now with, with Budweiser and probably other larger breweries Focusing more on like, well, just because we're big doesn't mean our beer doesn't taste good and trying to explain that process. Right. Our process is just as intensive, just in different ways from a craft brewery so we can achieve similar flavors, right? And they're all and they're all doing it. I mean Sam Adams has been doing it for purchasing craft breweries and just Mm -hmm. so hey, we're all really we're all the same. It's really just gonna come down to flavor, which I think is where craft breweries still have the edge, not necessarily in flavors of like their flagship beers but in those like experimental flavors right because that's that gets me every time if i go into a liquor store right regardless of branding if i see a really interesting sounding flavor mm-hmm. even if it, i will at least buy it once it's probably <laughs> it's probably a novelty flavor but it sounds interesting enough that i want to try it okay but because i've never tasted anything like it Maybe this is the cynic in me, but I have a hard time believing that the branding doesn't impact that decision. To me, I I think the taste of a beer is very much impacted mm-hmm. in the weight that the name carries mm-hmm. uh, and what you've heard about it and we- definitely the look. You know, I think the reason why we're even talking about this rebranding by Budweiser is because, to me, it is it beer, and uh, like many industries, it's very important what it looks like, Mm -hmm. and it impacts whether you like it or not. Because the reality is, we probably, if we were in some sort of utopian society without advertising, would probably never go for beer. We'd always go for milkshakes because they're so much better, you know, and they taste better than alcohol. But the reality is it's cool to drink alcohol and <laughs> it's cool to drink beer. I mean, let's be real here. And, 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 you know, it's not as bad as like the cologne and perfume industry where it's like I'm, I, I have to watch a, a television commercial about a smell. But, like, it's similar. For a, for, a it's second, similar. for a second there, we became some sort of parody. It's cool to drink beer. I mean, listen, man. Is I, it, am, I, am I wrong? I mean, I'm Listen, not, I, see, I see a guy walking down the street, sunglasses on, drinking a milkshake. I want to fuck that guy. Some guy drinking Budweiser? Nah, man. Nah, man. Not at all. I don't know. Anyway. Um, In my experience, milkshakes aren't as cool. Here's, here's my thing. 
Um, and just my mental process continues from I see an interesting flavor, I want to buy it. To me, that's the reason craft breweries have an edge over a macro brew because if you have the ability to release and the desire to release just bizarre seasonal flavors, to me that speaks to passion, right? And I think explaining that you have Beechwood-aged beer that ages for 30 days doesn't yet speak to I think they've captured that we care about the beer that we make but I don't know yet if they are passionate about beer um, because they're not doing I don't call a limerita an experiment right <laughs> because nobody really wants that um, but you know like if I see like a like a, a banana chocolate stout or something right somebody thought that would be a good flavor combination and to the point where they would actually distribute that throughout well, their distribution area. And to me, it's just like as a creative person, mm-hmm. I it you know it really works with me to see somebody who is like feeding that like, hey man, we just like making beer, and here's this weird flavor combination that we thought would taste good. Yeah, and we're gonna make it. We're gonna put. We're gonna design a label for it, and we're gonna put it out there because we think it tastes pretty great, and we hope you think it tastes great too. Um, and then they, they do that season after season or quarter after quarter or whenever the fuck they want, right? And just make crazy new things. And I, craft brews, I think, still have the monopoly on passion. Um, but they are starting to lose out on process. Right. Well, and... Uh... You know, there's nothing stopping Budweiser from tomorrow launching a program where they once a quarter try to come out with something random, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, if anybody could do it uh, between a microbrew and, and Budweiser, you would think it would be Budweiser. I mean, yeah. they have all the resources in the world at their disposal. They would have to work very hard for people to not think that that was just a cynical craft brewery attempt. Oh, I agree. That's their problem. But that's probably why they're buying up craft breweries left and right, so that way they can get a piece of that action without soiling the the Bud brand, right? Yeah. Um, Or coming off as cynical, um, you know, as as cynical money grabbers. Well, and I think there's probably part of them that uh, they, they, I would be willing to bet, I guess, that there are people at Budweiser who still think, Eh, people are going to get tired of this craft brew stuff after a while, and they're going to come back to good old reliable. I'm already coming back. There I got go. I got four more of these that I got to drink. There you go. And I know a lot of passionate beer drinkers, connoisseurs, and you know because you work in ad agencies, and you know that's what you get. But um, they they feel like craft beer is here to stay. I would agree, but I do think eventually we will mm-hmm. see a plateau in growth there. Um, and by eventually, I mean probably sooner rather no, I, I than think later. It's, already, it's already happening. You're probably um, right. You're going to get to a point where either the good ones are going to get bought up. And I shouldn't say growth from a financial perspective. I think we're already seeing a little bit of... Uh, it's just there's an oversaturation. Yeah, saturation in the market. But I, what I guess what, what I mean is uh, just from a culture perspective... 
you know, uh, I think people are going to be a little bit, it's just going to fall out of trend a little mm-hmm. bit. Well, I, you, you know, know over time the, here. It, we talk about it all the time because, you know, we're trying to start up a, a small podcast here. We talk about building a fandom and, and finding your niche, right? Um, and that's where craft breweries have to thrive for a while is finding that fandom and finding that small community that really, really, really loves them. Mm -hmm. Um, And when there's a gold rush happening, it's harder to find... People can only be a fan of so many things, right? Um, Like here in Kansas City, everyone loves Boulevard. Like, that's our hometown craft brew that isn't a craft brew anymore. Because they got fucking bought out by Belgians, um, right? <laughs> Damn Belgians! Yeah, but name uh, name another name another KC craft brewery. Do you want me to? Because I can. I can too. But like, <laughs> let's let's for the sake of argument, name it. One, two, three. Torn label. KC Beer Company. You fucked up. We were supposed to do it at the same time. We didn't do it at the same time. Okay, I apologize. A piece of shit. Um. Anyway. Um. And we have this whole initiative, or not we, but. Some of the craft breweries do it again. in KC. One, one two, two, three. three. Free Torn State. label. You keep doing oh, it. you did, That's you Kansas. did the same one. Mm, Free State yeah, is Kansas. Yeah, it's close enough to Kansas City, though. That's true. I guess you have a point there. That's Lawrence, right? It is Lawrence, which, I mean, it's a small Listen, college, bitch, yeah, we're on the Missouri beers. side right now, so uh, we stick to Missouri beers. Um, My fault. Anyway, um, it's, you know, it, we, we are, for a smaller city... We're getting to a point where we have a lot, and they're competing for tap space and shelf space at supermarkets. Oh, yeah. Um, so you can only imagine what it's like in a California or, I mean, Michigan's got a shit ton, um, or like a sh- or an Illinois, or mm-hmm. Oregon's probably got, a sh- probably got a ton that are right. battling for space up there. And, um, you know, I think you're right in the respect that it might get too complicated for... Uh, a lot of people, and Budweiser with their large marketing budget, and their—I mean, I'm not gonna lie. I actually I like this. I I drink this volu- I drink Budweiser voluntarily. You like the product or you like the label? Uh, no, I like the beer. And now that I've actually had it. What do you mean that? Wait, you never had Budweiser before? Not no, I've had it before. But like I'm talking, I only have the first time I ever tasted pre new label. It's just so much better now. The only time I've ever tasted a Budweiser okay. for the first time was when I went on the fucking tour, like a, like a month or two ago. Are you serious? Yes. That was your first time. And I've had it a few times after that. I'm like, actually, this is pretty, this is pretty great. Wow. Yeah. That's awesome. That's good to know. Yeah, for sure. Like I, I like it. So anything that I've said on this podcast has been strictly trying to be critical about their branding. I like the beer. Um, but I think are you are you somebody are you going to be drinking Budweiser more often? I mean, I mean if I you and to, I are going out, hanging out, you know, uh, <laughs> on the town like we like to do. I mean, don't uh, fucking hold it against my head or anything. Don't hold. Don't. No, hold, I'm uh, not going to. I'm curious. Don't don't hold. Are, a, am I going to start seeing you post up at the local brewery slash pub? And you might because you're like, hey, throw away all these fancy. Just give me a Budweiser. Craft brews. I want a Budweiser. What I really love is Bud Light Platinum. Um, but Sarcastically. No, if you can give me a Plat, 
Man, I'm all You're set. I'm all being set. sarcastic. Mm-hmm. No, plat- platinum is the best. You know, an interesting. I'm telling you, man. If 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 Budweiser's the king of beers, Bud Platt's the pope. An interesting uh, subset I used to hate was Bud Select. Mm-hmm. I used to hate it. I mean, I don't know what. Only fifty five calories. I just it was. I did awful. a lot of reading about Budweiser today. But, na- <laughs> but nowadays, I I like it. I'll drink Bud Select. I think it's okay. I mean, I'd probably do Budweiser or Bud Light over Bud mm-hmm. Select still. But I, uh, yeah, I don't mind it. If somebody hand me a Bud Select, I'll drink it. Yeah, I, but, you know, f- finishing my thought before you interrupted me. Sorry. Uh, with my incredulous statement that I've only started drinking Budweiser uh, in the past couple months. Yeah, that was just a shock. Um, I mean, it, ta- it tastes good. And I think going back to, to what you said or what you postulated, um, I think if you get to a point where, where craft brews are just too many, there's too many to choose from, people are going to resort, not resort, but choose to go with that stable brand that has such a monolithic brand identity, Budweiser, King of Beers, Beechwood Aged, 30 Days, Light, Crisp, Refreshing, Budweiser. Um, people are going to resort to that because it comes right off the top of their head. If I go into a bar... And I don't know what to get because there's so many fucking craft brews lining the wall. And then I see that a red tap handle with the fucking like crown on top or some shit, some tacky bullshit. We can get like, – that's an entirely different discussion. Obviously. If I see that, I'm just going to go, hey, oh, yeah, Budweiser, they're, they're good. They're brewed the hard way, right? Yeah. So it's really for them, you know, they, they, might, they might be in the dawn of a new, of a new era, you know? Just you know, conform, to, conform, just the, in this in in slight ways. Make sure people know that you do take care in how you brew things, and you, and you make decisions on how right. you brew things to make better beer. And you allow craft breweries to just keep popping up. Mm-hmm. Eventually, people are are gonna look for something stable. Well, and they always say when. Uh, they give you advice from a uh, personal prof- professional perspective. Um, you know, forget your your weaknesses, focus on your strengths, right? And when I look at the branding, they're really focusing on the strengths that they have over the craft brew. And that's the history. A lot of these craft breweries haven't been around that long. Yeah. Uh, and the history matters uh, because history and and time is valued. Uh, and experience is still valued. And so I do like that they're going with what makes them so good at what they do, and they're really highlighting that history. And I think I do like that they are highlighting that they are a global brand. I think to me, to tie it back to specifically what they've chosen to do on the bottles and the cans, where I'm lost is where they go into this beachwood aging process and things like that. If you tied it into your history and th- it took us blah, blah, blah years to develop this. Mm-hmm. And you know, you even showed beachwood a timeline was the, was the natural wood that washed at up the, on the time. River. All we had was wood of beach and we yep. had to, you know, strain yeah, our that. beer with, with wood of beach, it's, you know, whatever it is. But like, I feel like the way it's written, mm-hmm. it's more, it's like I said, it's more of a defense mm-hmm. against the microbrews. And I mean, that's not their strength. It's Don't a, try to go against the microbrews. Yeah, it's not, you know what? Honestly, it's not even to me really a defense against micro microbrews. To me, it is 
it's I don't think it's written in the right context, right? I don't think that they're saying like if I'm if I'm just looking at Budweiser for the first time, this isn't written as like this is why this is great. It's this beechwood aging process, right? Also, I have no idea what the fuck that means. Um, it just sounds, nobody does. It just sounds nobody fancy. does. Yeah. Um, yeah, but it's kind of written in this kind of voice of we're comparing ourselves to other breweries. Mm-hmm. Like we do it different than any other brewer. That's not how the king of beers should talk, right? They should really be like waxing poetic about this process and it went, like what you say, yeah. tie it back to history of why we do it this way. Yeah. History and age and experience is really their identifying factor. Mm-hmm. They should be tying it back to that. Not, and it's not enough to say, we've always done it this way. Why Beachwood? Yeah, why did you that's, choose this? You know what? I think that's my biggest sticking point is what the <laughs> fuck is Beechwood and why are you why are you letting your beer age on a bed of it? Like I don't I the more I'm being a thing about it, the more you bring it up, the more pissed off I'm getting about it. Because it's the biggest disconnect. You look you look at this fucking you look at this fucking label, right? They they capitalize it. They capitalize right. the B in Beechwood which one word apparently and they capitalize the a in aging beachwood aging there's no like tm there's no fucking registered trademark after it right they capitalize it just to make it look important well and, and i that's- make i make jokes about beach like a, a beach but it's it's b-e-e-c-h listen the people don't need that much I, no, I'm just saying, if you know out Listen, there what, we're trying what to Beachwood f- is, let me know. We're I'm trying curious. to fix it by re- making jokes out of it being from a beach. I'm wanting, I'm wanting to know. I, I really don't I really don't know. I really don't. But, you know, then they have – but they also have the world-renowned on the left side of this can uh, when you're looking right at mm-hmm. the crest. I mean, once again, it's just – I like most of it. I think most of it plays to their strengths. But like you had mentioned, if you're the king, don't compare yourself to other people. Mm-hmm. You should be above other competitors. You're sure. above them. You shouldn't talk about them. You shouldn't worry about them. You're above them. You're better than them. Uh, and I think just maybe the way they phrased it, it didn't come off that way. Maybe that's the biggest disconnect. I'm... So that copy, while mm-hmm. I Mm-mm. I know you like it, I know you like that heavy copy, but oh. maybe that was the biggest mistake made on this entire can, made on this entire on this entire branding. Effort. You've given me an hour to think about Beachwood aging, and the more I've thought about it, the more angry it makes me. Yeah, I still like the beer, but god damn it, dude, what the fuck is a Beachwood? Well, like, do you do you know uh, home brewers? You know these days home brewing's big. Do you know yeah. has it has any of them said, "Hey man, just got me a bunch of Beachwood at home. I'm gonna throw." <laughs> Yo, dude, they just covered in sand, bro, bro. Oh my God, you smell like fish, yeah, dude. I was down at the beach getting yeah. some beechwood, bro. Just got a bunch of beechwood <laughs> coming in. Oh man, it's gonna oh. make the greatest beer. To be fair, like I don't know if I've heard of anybody um, aging their beer over anything, and maybe that's that's what separates them. You know, is is that capital B B B B B B B beechwood? You know. I I think I just died a little bit inside thinking about it. Um, I mean, yeah, I don't know. I think I think uh, it's pretty clear that there's an education effort needing to be done listen, on the part of Budweiser no, here. You, you, honest, you honestly, or just drop listen, it. Knowing, knowing, honestly, just drop it. I mean, you know, hey, you know, honestly, it's not even the thing that pisses me off the most about the copy. The thing that pisses me off the most, as I alluded to earlier, is the word drinkability. Yeah. I hate that word. Why? I hate the What's word. What's wrong with it? Oh my gosh, dude. 
it, drinkability. It, so you're telling <laughs> what you're telling me. This is <laughs> it's more drinkable than this safe. is a brick. Almost as bad as I don't even want to mention their name, but another major beer brand that their unique selling point is we have the coldest beer, yeah. which cold as the rock. Maybe perhaps it could be as cold as Rockies. I'm like maybe. But maybe I didn't put you in my fridge last night. Yeah. Now, do you have anything? Can you offer me but anything? When it was brewed. But, it was. But, it was. I. It was brewed as cold as. So the, what as you're telling Rockies. me is that this beer is more drinkable. To be fair, I than never, other liquids, I, other similar <sighs> liquids, who, who also. What does that even mean? That doesn't make any sense to me. You're telling. The, the, my I'm problem, not drinking sludge to the uh, you know with your competitors here. You're not wrong. My my problem is uh, you're right. That's my problem. No, yeah, uh, that is your problem. <laughs> I hate as being usual. wrong as usual. Yeah, no, for real. Um, is I can count on like one hand how many beers I've refused to drink. Drinkability is not an issue with beer. Yeah, like I never just flat turned down a beer, been like, nah, this is this is. I need something more drinkable. <laughs> Give me a Budweiser. Ah, it's got the most drinkability. The drinkability rating on this. Uh, you, know, how, you don't see like beer connoisseurs going, uh, so I'd give it a, probably an 8 out of 10 on drinkability. How, like you don't, you don't see that. You how know? few and far between are your selling points that you really just resort to, we are more drinkable than... That's my point. It's so it's so pathetic. It's so pathetic. It's like... Uh, like tell me, tell me... We have the most comfortable can yeah. of any oh. can out Actually, there. That would be an in- that would be an interesting one if it was an ergonomic can <laughs> that like, somehow conformed to your fingers. That'd we, be amazing. We know you've been holding our beer mm. day in, day out. Listen, we know... You, are you tired of using um, uh, condensation-soaking koozies? Well, take Budweiser's new ergonomic can. It conforms to your fist, so that way you don't have to squeeze too hard, but you'll never be able to let go, right? <laughs> and it just kind of, like, sticks there. They just do it through adhesive or some shit. They could just have, like, uh, NFL wide receivers catching mm. catching bottles one hand. That would be amazing. That would um, be pretty sick. Although... Uh, when I see, when I see stuff like that, when I see somebody toss a beer in a commercial to a friend, I just think to myself, if somebody tossed me a beer, I I'd have to be weary. If it, I'd I'd immediately have to be weary because now it's gonna just blow. No, I gotta my wait. Face. I gotta wait to drink the beer. The one so that anyway. bothers me. The one that bothers me is sliding the beer across the the bar counter. I've tried. Oh that, gosh! And I tip it over every time. You would have to have like the cleanest, mm-hmm. most polished bar counter of all time. You know what I saw when I was in St. Louis last time? Um, is a bar where they have, they have the, they have the bar where like the the, the taps are and like the the bartender can kind of lean in or whatever. They have the part where the customer can lean, and have their drink, but only a little bit because in between the two is an ice ledge. Where you can set your glass down, and it will supposedly chill your drink. Very cool. So it's like it it's like Coldstone Creamery for beer. It'll really chill the bottom of your drink, because everyone knows heat rises, cold air sinks. Okay, but so it's not going to permeate through the rest of your beverage. But it was still cool. No, it's so cool. You know, I went up and touched it. Usually, you don't have an issue with the top part of the drink i mean you're drinking it fast enough where that's still cold so the issue is always at the bottom. Well, okay i can see that I you know that. it's always at the bottom that said if it's a good beer i mean to me that is the biggest difference in what i would consider a quality beer and, and mm-hmm. a not quality beer is when it starts to heat up does it still it, taste all right yeah can you still like it that's how i judge coffee is oh if absolutely. it's still 
if it's still palatable <laughs> once it's gone cold, yep, that's that's a decent coffee. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, no, I mean that's as somebody who's worked at a coffee shop, mm-hmm. uh, that's uh, a very common way to judge the quality of of the roast. Just drink it cold. Well, just um, well, a lot of coffee connoisseurs will drink it at multiple temperatures, so they will. Uh, when they're really vetting out a coffee, they will drink it at different temperatures. Do they drink the hot one last in fear that it will burn their tongue and thus no, ruin the tasting? These, no, but these dudes and dudettes, they are... Uh, asbestos tongues. They, they're used, they're they used to the, the hot bestest, coffee. they got the bestest tongues. They're used to the hot coffee. It's pretty hard to burn their tongues, I think. But uh, you oh, know, no, I as coffee one. cools off, they and I'm not saying cools tongues. off like gets cold, but like... As it becomes more drinkable, you can taste more of the floral notes oh, yeah, or for whatever. Sure, for sure. So that's the reason why they do it. But as it goes from drinkable, warm, there's that word again, drinkable uh, mm, to so drinkable mm, to to really taste of the beech wood to to <laughs> like it's like borderline cold. If it's not bitter, it's always the bitterness. If it stays not bitter, uh, you have found yourself okay. a pretty good coffee. Okay. Would you? Okay, some some beers. So now stick with me. Don't interrupt me. Some beers, some coffees, whatever. To get that sort of like natural aspect to it, you'll notice that there's like sometimes there's some sediment at the bottom. You know, just aspects, remnants of of the method with and the means with which this thing was created. Would you be more likely to buy? A Budweiser beer that mm-hmm. had little bits of beech wood <laughs> floating around it. Like if you if you were drinking it, mm, you just get mm, a pure pure beech wood. It's like oh, just oh, I got a little too much. <laughs> uh, uh, I got a little got a little bit of beech wood in uh, there. Maybe yeah, maybe good fiber. Uh, <laughs> beech wood is notorious for providing a really solid source of fiber. So yeah, maybe uh, also a good idea. Not its flavor though. Not the flavor. <laughs> no, of course just... not. Yeah. But a really good idea, because I just came up with it, is uh, Beechwood stir, stir Sticks. Mm-hmm. I mean, you don't need to stir a beer, but... <laughs> <laughs> It'd be it, totally superfluous, but, you know, It would not? be interesting to put a wooden stick in your drink. <laughs> would it not? It and would you, be... It interesting sure <laughs> but also insane <laughs> but, oh no maybe if you're making a beer cocktail if you're making okay budweiser beer cocktails with a stirred with beach, beach wood, wood stirring, stirring stick. stick there now we're on to something you can have that one for oh. free budweiser <laughs> you can if you insane fucks ever decide to do something like that at please. least then you would go ah Oh, well, they're consistent with their brand. This is Beechwood. And then you take a little taste of it, and that's what Beechwood Well, I'm curious. Like. I, you know, what, when, okay, so when you think Beechwood, yeah. what color is it? Like, what color is the wood? Uh, about as yellow as the beer is. Really? Yeah. Okay, so for whatever I think it's like a whatever really reason, yellow, pulpy wood. Oh, see, I'm thinking. Not even like, a, not, definitely not a rich mahogany. We have a computer. We can look this up. We I'm could. Gonna, I'm gonna look I mean, up some Beechwood. I'm gonna prove you wrong. I'm thinking Beechwood is a medium to darker uh, wood. 
uh, or or tree or or whatever it comes from. Uh, and and and. <laughs> I'm picturing like driftwood Be- no, because be- of the beach, beach, beach thing. Beechwood's like yellow. That's a beechwood. Oh, okay. So it's uh, I mean, it's wood. I, it look kind of just looks like. Uh, let me see. Let me see that again. You might. You mind if I? Uh, if I see I'm sorry. It? I'm getting a lot of Budweiser branding in this <laughs> in this search. <laughs> they own beechwood. They. I mean, they really do. That's the first like uh, search suggestion is beechwood aged. Beachwood Budweiser. It'd probably be a really uh, big downer for uh, Budweiser if, like, Ikea was like, hey, spring 2016 collection, all Beachwood, baby. Mm. All Beachwood all day. Everyone immediately goes, Beachwood? That's a really crappy piece of wood. That's really that's really one of their benefits, right, is that nobody else is saying Beachwood. So if they say it enough times, if someone does say Beachwood, you're like, oh, Budweiser. Yeah. I mean, it's a really kind of weird thing to try to have equity in. Right. Um, but, I mean, they do have that. Yeah, and, and yeah, maybe, uh, yeah, it's probably that simple. It's you Nobody else is saying this. Everybody else is saying hops, yeah. barley, mm-hmm. our water, you know, mm-hmm. whatever it is. It's like nobody's like, yeah, but like. We this, age ours. We have this aged wood, beard. Like this beech wood. That's the know? other thing. And th- and I think with this, we'll, we should close this episode. Um Speaking of aging things over in weird things, I found the reverse today outside of the liquor store that I bought my Budweiser at for introducing Jameson Caskmates finished, it's Jameson Irish Whiskey finished in craft beer barrels. Huh. I was... Did you buy it? No. Oh. Because I already bought stuff and I was about to drive home to go see you. Right. Uh, and you're much more important than finding a weird thing at Jameson. But they are... This is the billboard. I'll show it to you. Let me see this bad this is boy. This is the other way around. But this is something that is traditionally aged. Like whiskey, you, you need to right. age it. Beer, you need to ferment it. You don't need to age it. Um, at least in most cases. Um, and they are so... Only that I could think desperate that they are trying to get in on the craft beer action <laughs> by saying they are aging their whiskey in craft beer barrels. They don't mention in the line. Well, this, this, the line is actually finished in craft beer barrels, which could tell me that they just ran out of normal barrels. Yeah. And they, <laughs> they said, oh, fuck. Oh, shit. What are we going to do with all this whiskey? Oh, well, luckily. Got guys in the back just have handfuls of it. They're like, where, where are we going to put it? Well, luckily, Budweiser down the street, they have just a ton of well, Beechwood barrels that yeah. they're just rolling out in the streets. You know, they're throwing away. Why don't we just take that? But we'll what call I, it a craft beer barrel and put our, uh, put our liquor in there. And their subcopy here is triple distilled once stouted. Like that. I like that, though. Um... So, is that to say that they're using stout beer barrels? Um, like like a stout beer? Like a stout craft beer? Right. Because the, the line by itself finished in craft beer barrels. And it's so interesting to me that they're like, doing that because typically you've seen beers that are bourbon barrel beers. Yes. So, they've been aged in bourbon barrels. So, it's like the... I mean, Jameson's not bourbon, but you get the point. It's aged... It's separate. But there's... It's opposite. There's, this is... To, there's something different... To me, there of like if I'm a craft beer, and I want to do something weird, add a little bourbon flavor to it by aging it in a bourbon barrel. 
that seems cool. But when you take an established brand like right. Jameson and flipping it, which is it's still creative, but flipping it and being like, well, we we finish our beer in craft beer barrels. Yeah. Like to me, that just seems like no, oh, you pieces of shit, <laughs> <laughs> you you pandering fuckers. Like, what are you doing, <laughs> right? And that's really unfair of me to say that. Yeah, you're um, being a little harsh on them. Yeah, but and now I'm thinking about it. I, I, we'll I'll, try that soon. Yeah, maybe next week I'll, may, I'll buy uh, a bottle. Okay, um, yeah. I know how much you love the Jameson. We'll make ourselves a couple. I'm a big loves. fan. I'm a big fan, and uh, if you're buying, yeah, yeah, and I'm wondering if it is finished in a stout barrel, does it have kind of like a little heavier multi flavor to it? Could be interesting. I'm like actually kind of interested. In now you're excited about taste. it. Yeah, you're shitting on them one second. And now shit, you're all I'm excited shitting on about the it. idea, but the, once again, they just get you with flavor. It's all about flavor. You know? <laughs> sure. Yeah. Sure it, it is. It. Okay. You know what I think it's about? What? Man, they are really not drinking the normal bottles, Jameson, fast enough. Let's just figure out a way to make them buy another bottle of Jameson. We'll just slap something else on it's it. It's novelty. Novelty and flavor, man. You buy it for the novelty, and if it actually tastes good, that's your new regular drink, man. I don't think it's going to be right. Re- I mean, I'm looking at that. I would be su- surprised if that's around for you, a long you time. You want me to buy it because you know you're going to hate it and you don't want to be saddled with an entire bottle of it. And to be quite frank, I just have a lot of variety of whiskey at my apartment right now. Like yeah. just over the last year, I mean, I guess I haven't been drinking enough Beechwood aged and I beer. Think, and I think that's really the key takeaway because we, we, do, we do need to wrap up is uh, – Drinking is cool, and absolutely, you, and you need to do more of it. Yes, and that's how we're gonna end this episode, especially alone. Drinking alone, drinking in the dark is very cool. Yeah, for sure. I mean, if you cry a little bit, that's fine. Just put on the food now. No, Everything's wrong with gonna that. be okay. Yeah, order a pizza. Yep. You know that's how I do it every damn night. Mm-hmm. That's why I get to host this podcast. Add like objects. This has been another episode of the podcast by that name. I have been Francis LaBelle. And I am Jared Barlow. You know, we're really ending this on kind of a down note about impending alcoholism. But you know what? Down. I feel like we had a lot of laughs along the way. Yeah, Um, absolutely. Let us know what you think. Yeah, for sure. You know, uh, if this ends up on iTunes, which I think it might. I actually like this one a lot. Uh, please rate us, leave us a review. Mm-hmm. Um, feel free to email us at an email address that will be attached to this uh, with any questions, comments, or queries. Um, we really want to know how badly this podcast sucked. Um, we want to know how angry we made you. Um, if you're if you work at Budweiser, please send us free beer. Um, we'd love to to um, perhaps find mm. a lovely splinter of beechwood. Um, in, yeah, in yeah don't hundreds. send us any beer. Send us Beechwood. Yeah, just I mean, Beechwood? I, yeah could you just, just send me some Beechwood? Yeah. I think that would be a great way. Okay, a Beechwood Trojan horse. A Beechwood Trojan <laughs> Clydesdale with beer inside of it. That's what I want. And on that note. That's it. We're Dunskies. All right. See you next time.